Is your game getting you down? Is it time you enjoyed better golf? How about a full day clinic at the GUI's National Golf Academy? Less than two hours from Belfast, the Academy is the perfect getaway for you and your friends. With clinics starting at 95 euro, now is the time to experience better golf. Find out more and book online at bettergolf.ie. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to wherever you may be listening to the NI Golf Channel podcast, episode 88. And I'm joined again today by Emma Self, who, believe it or not, was out hitting balls in the driving range last week. How did you hit them? Less of the, I was going to say less of the disbelief, thank you. I hit them. That is the main thing. It has been a long time coming. And let's just say my lockdown diet and exercise regime hasn't had the same kind of dividends, perhaps, as like Mr. DeChambeau's, but they were going straight. Not maybe maybe about a third of a Dushambo drive maybe, but they were going straight. So if I can take that to the course when I can get onto the course again, I will be happy. We'd all be happy if we could do that, wouldn't we? Unfortunately, Emma's over in England and Emma has got stuck in the lockdown. So she was at the driving range one week and now they've locked them all down. So maybe that's your fault. We're going to blame you for that. I think I think I think I think that's pure coincidence. I don't I don't want any 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 trolling as a result of that. It has nothing to do with me. Everybody is safe. I don't hit it far enough to endanger life or anything. I guess. Well, coming up in today's show, we chat to about Darren Clark's impressive victory on the Champions Tour. Yes, fantastic result for Darren, and we hear from course architect Ken Kearney on the work currently underway to freshen things up a bit at Malone Golf Club. And I've been speaking to the Golf Week columnist Eamon Lynch about the Masters, COVID-19, and why golf really needs a bit of good old-fashioned needle. (laughs) Well, let's start with some good news, shall we, for a change. Let's forget about COVID for a minute and talk about Darren Clark's PGA Tour champion success on Sunday. Clark posted rounds of 69, 62, 68 to finish on 17 under par, claiming the TimberTech Championship one shot ahead of Jim Furyk and Bernhard Langer. And here's what he had to say on his breakthrough champions win. America's been really good to me. I went to school over here. I've played PGA Tour over here. Um, I've been back, don't get me wrong, you know, I'm from Ireland. Uh, you know, I love Europe as well. I've played a lot over there. I've been fortunate to play golf all over the world. It's been very, very good to me. But I especially love coming playing in America. And um, when I turned 50, I was exempt for a bit on the PGA Tour Champions. And, and to come over here, they've been so welcoming to me, to, so kind to me. And, you know, the competition is, is, is brilliant. You know, the, the guys, you can see the scoring's amazing. The guys can flat out play. And, uh, you know, if you want to win out here, it's not what everybody thinks it is. It's not six and a half thousand yard golf courses, flags in the middle of the green, greens running at 10. It's far from that. It's a proper hard, stern test. And, um, you know, if you're going to win, you're going to have to play very well. And thankfully, I was able to do that this week. So, um, you know, I'll be out here now for another few years. I presume most people have kind of forgotten about Darren Clark. Darren Clark won the Open, disappeared off the planet, hardly contended after that. Did the Ryder Cup, that didn't go so well for him, unfortunately. And then he just seemed to disappear a bit. He couldn't compete on the main tour. He got himself off away from it. He was playing on the Champions Tour for a couple of years. Now, this last couple of sort of months, he's been showing a wee bit of form. Absolutely. Yeah, he had a couple of 11th and 12th. But to be honest with you, kind of came out of the blue. (laughs) I wasn't expecting him to win. 
No, I agree. And like, when it, was it the SAS there that yeah. Bernie won in the end? And he was leading going into the final round of that. And then it all kind of disintegrated for him. So going leading into this, you sort of feared maybe. I certainly yeah. did. But, you know, no, no, uh, no discredits to him, of course. But it wasn't like the the winning form was there was it yeah. you know nine years is a is a long time what wherever you're looking to win isn't it exactly but he seemed to he seemed to be played very well drove the ball very well mm. all week putted very well no three putts over the course of the three rounds which is very good for darn just shows you absolutely um, i think his win now he's moved him up to 13th the money list but of course darn being darn there's always a downside with it <laughs> and, and he's he has to leave america now because his visa's run out so he, he gets the 13th oh, in the money know. list. You know, the big money's been played for still on the Champions Tour. And he's going to have to miss it all. Now, he's, it turns out mm. his ranking's going to be okay. It's a roll-around season because of COVID. But um, he, did, he did make the point that um, now, you know, when you're playing well, you want to keep playing well and you want to keep playing. He's going to have to go and put his feet up. Yeah, that is a shame because, like you, you were saying, maybe it was just that he hadn't got the full three days together. It wasn't that he wasn't playing well and, and the wind came out of nowhere in that sense, was it? Yeah. So he will have been wanting to keep going, but you no, know, missing out in Phoenix and having, well, bless his cottons, having to sit on the beach and celebrate for a while, it sounds yeah. like. So, you know, our hearts do bleed for him in many ways, PK, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> so while Darren was winning in America, uh, Callum Shinkwin was winning the Cypress Open via playoff. Cormac Sharvin making a, a wee bit of a return to form. He tied for 28th. Unfortunately, Johnny Caldwell missed the cut. Um, this week, it's a Cypress showdown. Um, Sharvin and Caldwell are again in the field. Yeah, so let's hope that Caldwell can maybe be on the better side of the mm -hmm. cup this time around. And the Challenge Tour is making an overdue return from the 5th to the 8th of November with the Andalusia Challenge de España. Uh, Gavin Moynihan, Neil Kearney, and Michael Hoey, who seems to have recovered from a hand injury, will all be in action there. Yeah, Michael cut himself. He actually cut the palm of his hand with a blade or something, so he had a number of stitches there. So that's why he hasn't been out and about too much lately. So hopefully that's sorted. He did it just before the event at Galgore. That's why he missed the event at Galgore. Um, on the US PGA Tour, yeah, that's bound to be sore. Yeah. On the US PGA Tour, it's a Houston Open this week with some big names in action as the build up intensifies ahead of the Masters. Um, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka will be in action alongside Graham McDowell and Park Harrington. He showed a bit of form last week uh, in, uh, not the Bahamas, where were they last week? Bermuda. 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 Somewhere sunny. Somewhere sunny. Um, <laughs> Somewhere sunny that looked well, rather nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and while we're talking about the Masters, time for us to sink the dreams of another professional golfer with our tips. This is where you in particular, as you know, you in particular, there'll be people running for the, for the hills. Let's go, Emma. Put your money where your mouth is. If you had a tenner to back okay, well, the Masters, who's it going to be? Okay, so if I if if this is deliberately sinking somebody, then people are probably wanting me to put my money on Bryson, but his <laughs> odds are way way too yeah, short. You can't put money uh, on. So even even I I don't think would be able to sink him. So um, I actually I am gonna plumb for John Ram. He is my he is my pick for the Masters. He's he's played very well there before. He's obviously we're in the twenty twenty one season nor in the PGA Tour, but his 2020 season on the PGA Tour was fantastic, particularly at coming back after 
lockdown, he had some great results, great, you know, winning the Memorial last year. Um, sorry, this year season even is, um, well, this year, last season, gosh, I'm getting myself confused now, when the Memorial and the, the BMW in the same you know, in the same season, finishing second at the Zozo, you know, I think he's in form and he likes the place. Yes, he had that almighty shank that we will not forget about. I think it was at the eight, was it? I just remember the look yeah. on his face. Like, that is more my game, let's be honest. Um, fortunately, again, not with the same force, otherwise people would be in danger. Um, but I just, I think he's certainly in each way. I put my five each way on John Ram and I think he would definitely deliver. There we yeah. go. How about you? Who, who are you grinching this week? Carol Hatton. Ah, you are. Yeah, yeah. Mm. We, the last podcast we talked about Terrell and that Hemden had and yes, he could be. Terrell, he's, he's, he's still showing a lot of good form. His confidence is high. He puts like a demon. I'm going for Terrell. Terrell would be an each way bet for me as well. I, I would be. I yeah. What do you, What do you think? A, a November Masters? You looking forward to it? It's, 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 it's going to be different. It's It's not the same. It's not the yeah. same, and we can't pretend that it is the same. But um, everybody, including me, of course, would much rather it happened than it didn't. Um, it's not gonna. It's not gonna look the same. It's gonna have a different feel about it without you know the patrons and everything else. But it's Augusta at the end of the day, isn't it? And the Augusta magic, I think, it's just gonna. We need a little bit of that at the moment. We need a little bit of golfing magic, don't we, PK, to cheer us up. And I think you're right. It's just, and, and everyone's going to be at home, aren't they? Everyone will be right. at home. You're justifiably yeah. at home for four days at the Masters. <laughs> so, you know, let's, uh, silver linings. Eh? Guys, viewing um, figures are going to go through the roof. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> potentially, potentially. <laughs> uh, or, or the BBC highlights. Yeah. Oh, very <laughs> but, good. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, I think we all need the masters, don't we? If yeah. there was, if there was going to be, going to be a way. I mean, it's just confusing it being the last major of the year, but the fact, the fact that they're doing it and they've, they've made it happen is, yeah, it's exciting. It's still exciting, and I think, I mean, you looking forward to it, PK yourself? Yes, yes, and no. I, I, I the masters is is start of the golfing season for me, so it really has throws it's thrown me quite a lot. Um, I can't, I can't sort of. The buzz hasn't started yet, and you know you get that twinkly music with the put on it—that really sickening, sickening oh, yeah, sickening yeah. music. And that was the start of the golf season. So I don't know how I'm going to react to it now. It really depends how it goes. If we get a couple of the the local lads in contention, we'll we'll be certainly be up for it. You know. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. You know that's that's a good point because you do you do just want want to be able to get behind someone like you say the general excitement of the start of a golfing season and everything that element of it is sadly not there but there is a lot still going for it and I just yeah see if little Bryson can get any more hole in ones <laughs> things like that you know it's like I mean it is it is going to be interesting to see exactly what he does and with this the 48 club and the five degrees of just bluffed and just what I mean yeah I mean I've got my head in my hands right now just thinking about it in many ways but um there's going to be a lot of stories and actually do you know what PK I wonder if all the uh all the chat and the the pressure as it were being more on Bryson if Rory might sneak in there under the uh under the radar a little bit without all the is Rory going to do his grand slam 
yeah. pressure and yeah. and maybe just have a little bit more of a chilled out week and you never know you never know yeah, good, good. Uh, so staying with the master's theme Paul caught up with golf week columnist Eamon Lynch for a chat recently and they started with how different the master's is going to be in November Eamon thanks for joining the podcast today good to be with you Paul Eamon since we're previewing the master's this week uh, in this episode of the podcast why don't we just get straight in with the master's and and your thoughts on the Masters at this time of the year, what it's going to be like without the fans, without that sort of Masters buzz? It's, well, I think at this point, fans are probably happy to have anything. And I think you saw that vibe during the PGA Championship and during the US Open. And it's got to be said, I think, for all of the abuse that is generally directed every year at you know, the USGA or, or the Lords of Augusta National, there's something to be said for having those guys be responsible for the major championships this year, uh, because these are the guys who, you know, they, to use E.B. White's old phrase, they wind the clock every morning as a contribution toward order. And they were finally getting in our third major of the year. Uh, for a very long time, it didn't look as if we were going to get any. And yeah. if any golf club or any organization can create the best possible replication of normal circumstances uh, for a major championship, well then Augusta National can certainly do that, at least as regards playing uh, conditions, the, everything else that goes with the major championship that we don't have, well, you know, that's not really up for negotiation. That's beyond even the control of Fred Ridley. In terms of the event itself then and what, what to expect, does the fact that there is no crowd there does that help bring more people into contention? Absolutely. I also think it probably eliminates some people. You know, we've heard Rory talk about how he finds it a little more difficult not having a crowd to draft off of. But I don't think it's a, a coincidence. And I, I just wrote a column about this at the weekend that hasn't been published yet. I don't think it's a coincidence, Paul, that the two majors we have played in the COVID era were both won by guys who had never been in the heat of a Sunday afternoon in any regular major championship. Obviously, Colin Morikawa was only in his second major start of his career. And the only time Bryson DeChambeau had ever been in contention at a major was one month earlier at the PGA Championship with no fans. And you know, that's not to say that fans are guaranteed to make a difference, but they're certainly a factor. I mean, they amplify everything that happens on Sunday afternoon in a major, whether guys are heading up the leaderboard or heading south on the leaderboard, the fans kind of add to that atmosphere and they create that kind of crucible of pressure and under which guys find out whether they are going to, as I put it in this column, whether they're going to go through the finish line like a thoroughbred or if they're going to stumble like an Icelandic pony. And that the crowd is quite essential to that. And, you know, we're grateful for the golf that we have and we continue to be so, but two of them, winning who'd never been in that position before maybe a coincidence if it happens a third time then i think we're talking about a trend yeah yeah and, and, and evidence that there are some players for whom as we've talked about before people have heard the podcast for whom golf is not just about playing it's about showboating and it's about playing with the crowd and through mm -hmm. the crowd and for other people they prefer that sort of isolation and silence that allows them to compete without that external pressure is the Bryson a lot fact, of guys can, yeah. can, 
Yeah, sorry. And a lot of guys can just tra- treat it as though it's a member guest, and that's yeah. that's a big deal in a major championship to be able to not have that external pressure. Obviously, you still know you're playing for a major, and your own internal wiring can short circuit if if you're not accustomed to that challenge. And even if you are accustomed, we've seen great players totally short circuit Sunday in major championships, not least last year mm. at Augusta. But it's it's certainly a factor. It doesn't hurt a lot of people, but it does hurt a handful who kind of do like that showboating and the draft off the energy of the crowd. Talking about the Masters, we're obviously talking about Bryson there winning the the last one, and obviously he's going to go into this event with a big favourites tag over his head. He is a character that divides opinion. He's certainly a character that you've written about on numerous occasions over the last 18 months or so of strolling through some of your stuff earlier. Is Bryson good for golf? Yes. That's, that's not even up, up for debate. He's got some serious growing up to do. And my, my greatest cri- criticism of Bryson has been the, the general absence of self-awareness and the apparent lack of anyone in his inner circle who's willing to tell him to grow up. Mm-hmm. I mean, that particular incident in Detroit when he essentially berated a cameraman for daring to do his job and film Bryson while he was having a temper tantrum and then suggested afterwards that all cameras there were, were there to protect his brand. I mean, that's a level of idiocy that you just can't teach. Uh, but again, for what we've seen all summer long with, with Bryson as we came back with golf from the lockdown, and he dominated the headlines all the time. And I thought this was great because golf needs more polarizing characters. And I think it's great every time Brooks Kepka tweaks at him as well, or, or Bryson tries to tweak back. We need to get away from this idea that golf pros need to be these vanilla paragons of virtue where they're all good guys and they love puppies and they give money to charity. All of this stuff that the tour assiduously promotes. It's, it's not a bad thing to have a little bit of antagonism in, in the game. And Bryson certainly brings that. He brings it with fans and he brings it with, with fellow players. I don't think he's anything but good for the game. He could just stand to play a little bit faster. Yeah, the idea that the players are too buddy-buddy may have something to do with the fact that there's simply too much money sloshing around at the high, top level of the game. And if you go back 20 or 30 years, there was, it was a bit more cutthroat. They were respectful of each other. But, you know, Damon McGrain has said to me previously about if you're getting more birdies than him, you're getting into his pocket. And that's the type, yeah. of, that's the type of attitude people need. Yeah, when you look back at a certain generation, and it, it struck me at the US Open, because there used to be something, if you've been around this game long enough, there used to be something that every golf fan knew as a US Open player. And it was a Curtis Strange. It was a healer win. Um, it was guys who were just absolute cutthroat killers on Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. And they would think twice about giving you a Heimlich if yeah. you were choking to death. Yeah. Um, you don't see that anymore. To an extent. I mean, Brooks might actually be the modern day iteration mm-hmm. of that and that he just moves through the water with a shark like a shark with no peripheral vision not looking at the chum bobbing in his wake at all tiger was obviously that as well but there aren't many of them because you know they're the guys kind of give each other a hug instead of Heimlich. you know they're busy going on spring break vacations with each other and that's great that's fine that they have those relationships but it's interesting when i asked kepka earlier this year um we were in the locker room at riviera and i was doing a preview interview for what I thought was going to be a May PGA Championship. 
Mm. And I asked him who his friends were out there. And he said he didn't have friends mm. out there that, you know, these are people that he competes against. And Rory has made similar noises before that he wouldn't consider anyone on tour a close friend. And it's mm. a tough line to, to kind of cross or figure out what side of it you want to be on. But, you know, ultimately, these are people who you're supposed to be competing yeah. against. You can do it in a graceful, professional manner. But antagonism isn't necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Rory has managed to maintain a relatively, well, not always graceful, but he certainly set himself apart with how he's prepared to talk honestly and openly about any subject, which is, mm-hmm. you know, you're talking about vanilla, vanilla professionals, and he's managed to avoid that. He has, and I'm sure it uh, gives Sean his manager fits at times, because Rory's got a tendency to, um, he does what people tell politicians never to do, which is he actually answers the question he's asked. And sometimes Rory will, if it's a question he hasn't faced before, he's going to talk through it and work through what he thinks on that subject as he's answering it. Mm-hmm. At some point, six months down the road, he could face the same question and he's thought more about it or circumstances have changed and he changed his view. That's, it's still just being a thoughtful answer. And Rory's shown himself willing to take a stand. I mean, the one that really struck me was when the Premier Golf League was being peddled well, and you know, still is in, in some corners. And it, it was a payday, a cash grab for guys. And the, the guys in support of it mostly were guys whose best days are long behind them. Yeah. And they wanted to cash out. And Rory was quite explicit when he said at Bay Hill that his line was, I didn't like where the money was coming from, referring to the Saudi Arabian money behind it as an attempt to sports wash an atrocious human rights record by staging golf events. And, you know, other golfers don't do that. Their peripheral vision doesn't necessarily extend beyond their wallet. And Rory sort of stepped up on an issue like that. I'm sure there's plenty of folks would disagree with him on a, on a lot of issues, but at least he's willing to offer up something other than some kind of canned, uh, you know, take one shot at a time mm. nonsense that we're tired of hearing every other week of the year. Yeah. From your point of view and from covering golf, overall, the COVID year, how has it impacted you in your job? And has it been interesting in a way to sort of have these things going on that have impacted on golf? You've been able to see how the golf business is trying to work. Yeah, the, the only real impact I suppose it's had on me is traveling a lot less because for instance, in the case of the PGA Tour, they have very much limited the amount of media that's allowed on site mm-hmm. at tournaments. Um, so, I mean, I went to the U.S. Open. I went uh, for Golf Channel doing some shows at the Travelers Championship in Connecticut, which was, I think, the third event back, perhaps. Um, but I haven't really been out there much at all this year, which I find kind of odd. But it, it's been actually, I think, kind of impressive how well the golf industry has managed to handle it in terms of the uncertainties around testing and potential spreader events when they first came back in June and, uh, you know, there have been positive tests. There continue to be positive tests, but it seems to be managed in a sort of a reasonable process. You know, there's everyone assumes a certain amount of risk when they choose to go out there and play. And it hasn't been uh, run amok in the way we've seen it 
in other areas of life. So, I, you know, it's been a positive thing overall in golf. It's just been disappointing in terms of the fans who can't actually clearly get to events. I think it's going to have a knock-on effect on a lot of charities that are associated with events on, on every tour that, because all of that money generally comes from the pro-am revenues and there are no pro-ams anymore. Um, so it, there's going to be a kind of a reorg or a, a reset button is hit in golf in terms of the realities of the finances of it as we move forward. But it certainly, it hasn't been a dull year. Let's put it like that. And I, I think it's probably going to carry on. I mean, we're talking about this situation at the Masters this year with no crowds. I wouldn't necessarily be optimistic that there'll be crowds six months from now in April at the next one. And finishing off the pro golf news, the LET is back in action with the Omega Dubai Moonlight Classic from the 4th to the 6th of November. The 56-player field will be split into a day-night shotgun start, which will see half of the field compete under the floodlights every day, which is a very different way of doing things, but it's quite, it's, it's quite exciting and it's a bit different, isn't it? Yeah, one of the things, I think I possibly maybe talked about this before, you always worry about how the LET finds itself a nice wee sort of place in, in, the, in the golfing sort of calendar. And they're playing that Wednesday mm. to Friday. Wednesday to Friday, that yes. time it is. And, you know, I think, I said that before and I said it again, that is the future for the Ladies European Tour. And it might actually be better to start Monday to Wednesday and hold their mm-hmm. events when there is no other amateur pro golf on. Definitely. I agree. And, and they're going to get uh, attention because of that. I think that's uh, definitely something they need to be thinking about, you know. I think that's a really, really good point because the audience is is split and it it always ends up unfavorably yeah. towards the ladies which yes. is somewhat you know sadly inevitable and but it's because the same people are are interested it's not because there is no interest in the ladies like you say it's because that it's competing against other events and when it doesn't do that even you know timings wise when the pga tour events say they're one side of america and the ladies PGA events or the other side and things like that, you see that the audience is there, you know, people are watching both. It's not one or the other. So yeah, it would be nice if we didn't have to make the choice. I think that's a really good point. You, you get and sort that, will you? Go uh, you and sort that. Uh, that can yeah, be yeah, what you right. do the next wee while. Yeah, no problem. I'll do that while you're locked down. Yeah. Anyway, moving on to Amber Golf and the World Handicap System is now live, Emma. And my new, handi- my new handicap index is 16.4. But I don't know whether that's good, bad, or indifferent. Ooh. I know, I know. Sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> Sounds good. So it does, it does. For, for the people who haven't been able to get access or who really don't think their index is right, there is plenty of info about how to go about sort of getting it sorted out on GolfNet. And under the new course slope ratings, uh, one of the clubs that people would be loving to play is Malone Golf Club. And it comes in at about 124 from the championship tees. Now, I don't know what those figures mean. I do know that 155 is the highest it can be in terms of slope ratings. So anyway, so Malone's 124. The course is in line to host the Irish Close Championship in a couple of years. And work is underway to update some of the greens and the bumpering around the golf course. And I caught up Mm -hmm. with course architect Ken Kearney to see just what has been going on. Recent years, I've spent a lot of time berating Ken on social media for the numerous bunkers he's put in around our glass. So now, now we've finally got him on, so he can give off back to me about that. <laughs> Revenge is sweet. 
I don't uh, think it's yeah. one of those. I don't think it's one of those new bunkers I haven't been in. <laughs> <laughs> That's the idea. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> so, Ken, listen. Um, thanks very much for coming on. As I said, and Malone Golf Club, a traditional, very well established golf course. What sort of work have you been doing, and what was the idea behind it up there? Is it a freshen up? Is it to try and make it more? Sort of can the whole championships again, that sort of thing. Mm. Yeah. Um, hi, Paul. Thanks for having me on. Um, Malone Golf Club, it, it started a few years ago. Um, Paddy Dean, the GM there, general manager, Paddy spoke to me, and they were, it started out around um, a short game area. They had a wee chipping green at the back of the clubhouse. People might remember or know it. <clears throat> so it started there, and what could we do with that space that we had and and separately then there was everybody will know the driveway into Malone Golf Club the beautiful driveway among the beach up the, the beach avenue and um, the areas both sides of of the driveway where that was their warm-up area whatever and of course people when they arrive at the club it's it's a kind of a disconnect you drive up and you park your car you go into the clubhouse get kitted and then you have to walk backwards and it's like a bad routing in golf course nobody likes to walk backwards you want to keep walking forward um so the the practice facilities didn't really work other than a great place for coaching obviously or if you're if you were dedicated but if you wanted to hit some shots beforehand it wasn't ideal so they wanted to try to figure out where might we get a warm-up area. So that was the starting position was the short game area uh, and the warm-up area. So that was like a- end of 2018, early 19. People involved, Paddy Dean obviously was driving it, um, Andy Montgomery, the on-sec. At the time, Jeff Cameron was the chair of the course committee and um, John Steen and Peter Law. So there was some people involved, good people in you know, genuinely interested in moving the club on and bringing it forward. And, and from there then, Paul, it, it's, you know, we, it, st- we, it started around agronomic issues with some of the greens that were struggling. Some of them were holding water. There were traditional old soil-based greens. Some of them had some shade issues. It was a myriad of stuff to get sorted out. And we, we went in then and, and we started developing, you know, a master plan. So that's where it got to bunker remodel, green complexes, teas, so drainage, irrigation, everything was looked at. So we're, we're getting through the pieces as, as, the, as the time goes by. Is it a piece of work that's going to take a number of years, Ken? Is this, or is it going to be... 18 months what, what's the time frame on it yeah so we're what we're over oh, 18 months into it now paul we've got the bunkers done on the front nine we've got that short area completed we've got the uh the warm-up area done um just just this year at, at kind of from for the last two months august through to middle of october we remodeled five green complexes we rebuilt some teas we did some irrigation work um significant amount of work was was done just recently so come middle of november we're going into the bunkers in the back nine um there'll be some drainage work to be done um i expect we were going we're getting through some tree management issues um which will be critical for the golf course for the playability and the agronomics as well um so i think we'll there's other pieces being spoken about but i think once we get through the bunker work which will be Everything that we're doing now will be in play um, next May, let's say. And I think the club will take a break then. And they're due to host the Irish Close Championship, the Men's Championship. Um, I don't know, will that be 21 or 22 yet? I don't think that's decided. But um, 
I think you know you, you got to give the members a wee break as well and let them play their golf course. And uh, while the lockdown was good for us because we got a significant amount of work done, mm-hmm. hey, the golfers at the end of the day just want to play golf. Um, yeah, yeah. So we'll we, we'll we'll give it a break. I think for a wee while. I think for people who maybe were following Paddy and yourself a bit on social media, it looked like it was an awful lot of work around the 18th in particular, not just around the green, but also further back where you've taken away a bit of the, the famous sort of razor that you have to, you have to hit over. Yeah. And, and yeah. It, it, that was a big decision for the club to take. Was, it, was that sort of, what was the thing? What's the thinking there, James? Oh, the look of it? Or is that, was that you or was that the club? Um. It, it started out interesting, Paul. There was a, an old evergreen tree at the top of the hill on the right, right half of the fairway. Yeah. And uh, it, it was catching so many balls off the tree, particularly yeah. for the shorter hitters. It was a brutal uh-huh. tree. Yeah. Um, so it, it kind of started there. And I always had this uh, image or this view or this idea that I wanted the hole to run as close to the lake as we could make it run. Like you, you kind of hit the tee shot away from the lake, you do, yeah, um, and, th- and then you hit back towards the green. So I wanted to run more towards the lake and alongside the lake, at least parallel to it. Um, so in order for that to work, we we got to do um, some tree clearance, which was done, and um, and and then there was a little bit of a safety issue as well. You're, you're hitting over this blind yeah. hill, and yeah. you know, and are, are, is the group in front moving away or not? But of course, what it has given us, and what I ultimately wanted here was gave you that beautiful view towards the clubhouse. It's now a fantastic vista has opened up. And like Malone Golf Club is as much about the views and the vistas and the topography and the landscape and the trees. And, you know, it's a stunning piece of ground. So we're just trying to make it a wee bit better. Talking, uh, you mentioned sort of uh, Malone as a venue and, and, you know, the look of it, the feel of it. How complicated has it been for you to try and keep the work that you need to do to modernize, but also keep it, within the feel of the rest of the golf course? The challenge. Um, it's a challenge to make it, you know, to retain the integrity of what was there. Of course, some of what was there wasn't great, to be honest. And, and that's why the golf club made significant decisions to to invest, to make it somewhat, to make it better. You know, the new bunkering, it's got an, although the, the look is very much traditional, old school parkland. We haven't gone for any, fancy stuff with the bunkering we're not trying to make it look too sexy it's you know it's a very old school look and I think that's what fits the club well I think it's a very elegant golf club it's got one of the most beautiful entrances in golf it's got a magnificent clubhouse the land is very you know old school they're not trying too hard to be something they're not it it is a fantastic place so I think it would have been a mistake to try to do too much um and and it's a difficult marriage because while we're trying to introduce some new strategies and I particularly am interested around the green complexes and like, how do you challenge today's golfers? You, we can't build 8,000 yard golf courses. I mean, I think that's crazy. So we just try to introduce, I'm a great, you know, believer in distance control and accuracy and positioning and strategy and all that kind of thing. So We've tried to introduce a wee bit of that in, in, into Malone Golf Club, and I think anybody that comes to play it in May will see quite a. It'll be different, but it'll look the same. And feel the same, and, and feel not not feel, as you say, the key yeah. point is feeling like part of that elegance, and and and, the, yeah. and feel like part of the environment that it is. In terms of That's your, it, yeah. in, in terms of of you, you were talking about distance and things, and and obviously 
we can't have a podcast without talking about Bryson because of what he's doing in golf and hitting 400 yard drives and one thing or another. But how is it impacting your business and how people view design work? And I say that's in, in understanding, Ken, that, that a lot of your work is, you know, updating and remodeling and working within the confines of a, of a course that's already there, as opposed to building from scratch. Um, so so how, what are people saying to you? Are people saying they need to lengthen their golf courses? Is that actually happening out there? It's an interesting conversation, Paul, because, <clears throat> excuse me, um, a lot of the conversations I have at clubs, I'm, I'm involved really, well, all the, the only golf that's happening in Ireland is remodel golf. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, interesting, the conversations I'm having generally with committees, you'll always have some people who will want it to be bigger and longer and, you know, more brutish. And the, the only golf they see is really the stuff that's on TV and they see Bryson or they see Phil Mickelson and talking about swing speeds. Like, I don't see anybody anymore you know, putting up a tweet saying, you know what, I'm holding all my three-footers or I'm now chipping it better than I used to be or my bunker plays better. or It's now, oh, my swing speed is 7,423 or whatever. Like, it's that, I think that stuff is like the 0.0001% of golfers. I, I, I don't try to design or think about them. Of course, I do think about, and, and Malone is an example, when we think about championship play and we have introduced a couple of, tournament tees at Malone, but only a couple of tees and they're only tiny pads and they don't, you know, we're not spending much money or tons of money putting them in, but we are thinking about them. Um, but I, I spend as much time, Paul, talking to golf clubs about shortening the golf courses, making it more playable, making it a little bit wider, making it more strategic. You know, the, the age profile of golfers is, you know, your average golfer must be you know, six, 55, 60, 65, you know, your average handicap is 17 and your average ladies is 31.8 or something. So there you're, that's your market. I, I don't see why we would be, it's, golf is a really hard game and it's, it's sometimes hard to present this to committees and you say to them, you know, people, we want to make it enjoyable. Number one, it's got to be fun. You know, these people want to have a bit of crack when they're out there. They want to enjoy the occasion. They don't want to be beaten up all the time, you know, lose five balls and have 23 points kind of stuff. It's meant to be fun and enjoyable and we're competing against so many other sports, but typically or historically golf has been a little bit staid and old schooly and a little bit elitist. And uh, I think, I think we're, I think we're trending in the right direction. I don't know if we're getting there, but to answer your question from a design perspective, yeah, we, we do think about it sometimes in the in the right venue, but I'm my predominant thoughts are always about making golf enjoyable and, and really making golfers think and try and work strategically around the golf course. The All-Ireland Finals of the AIG Senior Cup and the AIG Jimmy Bryn Shield were due to be played on the 17th to 18th of October at Mervat, but were postponed following the announcement by the Irish government of additional public health restrictions. Now, the AIG Junior Cup and AIG Pierce Purcell Shield were due to be played at the end of October. So there's a lot of things having to be put to one side, yeah. Yeah. but the GEI have confirmed the finals will be played hopefully sometime in 2021 under the remit of Golf Ireland. Fingers crossed yeah. for all of that because there is a lot of catching up to do. There is, and it's going to be a change in terms of the inter-club stuff from next year. 
So those sort of mm-hmm. old events, now we've got a new set of events under Golf Ireland. So they've announced their inter-club format. So Golf Ireland competitions will be split into eight competition areas. So that's going to be one in Connacht, three mm-hmm. in Leinster, two in Munster, and two in Ulster. And the pennant will be awarded to the winning club in each of the eight competitive areas. And those teams will progress to the All-Ireland Finals which will have quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals in it. And people have to remember that's males and females. So the whole plan will be mm-hmm. that you have finals weekends, we'll have mixed events as well. Which is great. Really yeah. good. Um, a total of €596,550 will be awarded to 110 clubs which applied for the RNA COVID-19 support fund. Mm-hmm. which is good news. And also Golf Ireland has been successful in securing funding under two separate allocations of the Sport Ireland Resilience Fund, including Club Resilience Fund of 2.7 million euro to support golf clubs across the Republic of Ireland, a restart and renewal fund of 30,000 euro that will see the creation of a Golf Ireland education portal. And that aims to develop a range of online courses that will be available to affiliated clubs, staff, volunteers and PGA professionals. So it all sounds like, you know, to, to quote Hannibal, we love it when a plan comes together. It, it does sound <laughs> like it's getting there, positive, doesn't it? Positive. Yes, not being left stranded, which is excellent news. Yeah. And that's about it, Emma. That's us for episode 88. Uh, the full interviews <laughs> with Eamon Lynch and Ken Kearney. There's a wee bit extra. Um, we'll also make those available as standalone podcasts later in the week. Eamon's was great crack. Ken also, got st- I got stuck in the can about our glass a bit more, which you hated. Uh, and, we will, <laughs> <laughs> and we will have that promised Handicap Edition podcast next time out. Um, I think, Emma, maybe I'll get you to come on to that. Can, I did promise a grilling to the GUA official, you but did. that's why we might have to get you, you on did. to soften things. Um, but they have agreed to do it. They have agreed to do it. So <laughs> well, we'll, there you go. We'll, well, uh, you we'll, we'll, we'll see where that goes. Hopefully we'll have that as well available. Uh, thanks everyone for listening in. If you're settling down to the Masters, enjoy. If you're playing Winter League, are you mental? It's done nothing but rain. <laughs> are you, are you, have you got a boat? And if you're stuck oh, over, if you're stuck over in England like Emma, and you can't get doing playing golf, Emma, what are you going to do? Well, do you know what? In the last lockdown, I bought, I bought a map and a and a really big net, and I never actually got to use them because oh. then the range opened again. So I'm going to go out in the rain with my net and my, <laughs> my map and, and hit balls I just to keep my hand in, and I will hit balls, and I will obviously be putting inside on the carpet and avoiding <laughs> my two small children <laughs> what's a stem what's a carpet running at at the minute oh it's it's about seven it's not it's it's not a pleasant carpet i'll tell you that seven and then and then bits of bits of cereal and everything else oh, that the small class. children leave behind so you know Lovely. there are like hazards everywhere but Lovely. yeah the Lovely. greens are not in good shape in my house <laughs> <laughs> well listen Emma, thanks very much and we'll speak to you later cheerio bye bye everybody cheers bye